Can I just clarify? I wasn't half naked. Can I just say that? I don't want somebody <laughs> listening to this and being like, oh, he's, he's, he's a pervert. Welcome to episode nine of the Dan and Joe Film Show. Hope you're doing well. Hope you're keeping safe wherever you are in the world. Uh, I'm Dan, as always, uh, coming to you via the internet, via Skype. And I'm joined again by my gorgeous assistant. Some of you know him as Joe. Some of you know him as El Campagne. Uh, I, I know him as my secret lover. It's Joe Richards. Joe Richards, your glamorous assistant. We we got we got to do this glamorous assistant business, uh, Daniel, okay? Because I like to think we're partners, okay? <laughs> we're partners in crime. All right? I'm not, I'm not some, you're not a magician and I'm not some sort of corset clad. Oh, uh, come on. Uh, uh, can, can you not be my Debbie McGee to my Paul Daniel? <laughs> <laughs> come on. You, you, come on. You've, you've got the I'm surprised you. I'm surprised you even know who they are, to be honest. I'm surprised you, you even know who they Exactly. Yeah. Um, oh no, I, I I'm big on uh, Debbie McGee. Yeah, big on Debbie McGee. Uh, she she is pre uh, two thousand, so I'm shocked by that. But I'm good, Dan. Um, it's as ever lovely to hear your voice. Um, how have you been over the last week? Um, I know uh, a lot's kind of been going on your end. Um, you've been a very busy boy. Um, even though uh, you know we're we're in lockdown. Yeah. Yeah. So um, funny story. Um, I had no idea that I basically I applied for a teaching job a couple of weeks ago, didn't hear anything back. Um, then I basically um, get a text Monday uh, evening from a past employer saying, oh, Dan, um, just want to say good luck for your interview tomorrow. I've just done your reference. I'm like, interview? Interview tomorrow? What is shown about? Anyway, look into my junk email. And there it is. I've been accepted oh. uh, for an interview for this job. So Monday evening, I was like on the computer trying to get a lesson plan together. Uh, and yeah, so it was Tuesday. I was literally like sweating from all places. I, I felt sick. Um, <laughs> it, I, it, I did not look good, Joe. I mean, I never looked good because, you know, it, we are in quarantine. But um, yeah, it was funny. So then Tuesday, I had my interview on Skype. Um, and I had to actually wear a, a shirt and tie and a jacket and look really professional to um, okay. all these kind okay. of the head teacher and the deputy. Um, so did you did you wear did you actually wear like a suit though, or were you just wearing the jacket tie and then your pants? Yeah, so I wore a shirt tie jacket and I was completely naked from the waist down. <laughs> no wonder I didn't get the job. <laughs> I, I, I reckon one of them had a sneaky peek, I think. And that's, that's what it was. They were disappointed and they just thought, oh, that's it. So, yeah, no, I didn't get the job, but it, it was good experience. Very, very strange. Um, not actually going into the building for an interview, having to do it on Skype. Um, but, yeah, apart from that, nothing much else. I, I did see on social media for you um, that um, you had a little haircut. Um, and I'm not going to say who did it, but it, it looked gorgeous. Um, and I said, all right, OK, so I want the Joe special. So I went to my mum and I said, mum, this hair is getting too long. Can you can you cut it for me? And so last <laughs> night, God bless her. She got her scissors out. 
she got a she got a um she got a razor, she got a comb. She was like, right, mum, work your magic on this. Anyway, so she does it, and I was skeptical, and I was like, wow, I came out of the shower, dried it off, I said, wow, mum, that doesn't look so bad actually. Uh, got onto uh, Skype with my girlfriend Amelia. She's like, what, what's up with your hair? And I was like, <laughs> I was like, what? And she was like, well, it's like it's half and half. It's like half short, half long. <laughs> But honest, but then she was like, "Oh, if you if you don't look so close, it looks fine." So, um, I mean, I'll oh. show you later on. But um, yeah, my mum, God bless her. She, uh, you know, she gave it a go. She's got she, she's not a hairdresser, um, but yeah, she did her best. No, but I, no. I saw as well that um, you know, that desperate times call for desperate measures. Yeah, yeah. Well, Liz, you know, sounds like Liz needs to stick to the nursing and maybe not the the hairdressing. Um, but yeah, I did. Um, I did have uh, a trim. Um, uh, a couple of days ago and to be honest it was because I was bored more than anything like my hair wasn't really that long and it wasn't kind of irritating me it was just a case of feeling bored and thinking now's the time really to make bold decisions so I've always wanted my hair a certain way um, like a kind of uh, mid fade but really quite long on top and really quite short on the sides um, and I've never really had the confidence to like go into hairdressers um, and just taking the chance so I thought well while we're all in quarantine let's take a chance um, let's go for what I've always kind of wanted and if it looks awful then um, it's not the end of the world because nobody's going to really see me for the next two months I was very happy with it um, my better half did a great job of uh, the cut I think um, and she was uh, she was very she was she was very nervous though which made me nervous but um, she didn't need to be in the end um, and, I, and I'm happy with it I'm not sure if I'll uh, keep it this way um, you know when we're all kind of back out in the open um, but um, I'm happy with that. And uh, yeah, I don't think a lot else has really happened then with me over the past days <laughs> uh, other than that, Dan. I haven't, certainly haven't had any uh, half-naked uh, interviews over Skype, that's for sure. Can I just clarify I wasn't half-naked? Can I just say that? I don't want somebody <laughs> listening to this and being like, oh, he, he's, he's, he's a pervert. That's, I, I can assure you, I had um, trousers on, uh, suit trousers. I was dressed to impress. I even wore socks. Families across the UK still on lockdown at the minute. Um, it's been like three weeks now. Um, I don't know about you, this week's gone a bit quicker than the other weeks. Uh, I feel like everyone's slowly starting to get used to it. Although, fingers crossed, in, in a month or so time, we, we do get to go out. Um, but yeah, I, I saw this um, news story online. I sent it to you. And I think it's a really, really lovely uh, keeping in with our theme this week, which is obviously a family special. Um, and I thought this, this is a really nice article to start the show with. Um, it's got here The Sun online, which are obviously reliable. Uh, you've got a, a mum in the UK has decided um, to create a home cinema in the living room. Now, I don't know about you, this is kind of a dream of mine. I, I hope she adopts me um, because um, obviously due to the cinemas all closing, kids still want to have the feel of the cinema. So what she did was um, she got um, two films. Um, she put a little showings board. Um, she decided to create small little tickets for them as they enter the room. Uh, she even made a tuck shop menu. We could buy sweets and popcorn. Um, and um, they had two choices of films, uh, Spies in Disguise at 8 o'clock or Onward at 8.10. Now, I don't know how many kids she's got, but did she like separate them? Right, eight on this side, eight on the other. <laughs> it doesn't make any sense. And tickets cost five pounds. 
that they weren't actually paying with it. I think they, I think that was the price that she quoted them, but I think they earned the kind of entry. They earned the money, so to speak, through doing chores and like, you know, cleaning their bedrooms and things like that um, and doing schoolwork, which, which is a great, it's a great idea. If, if you're a parent listening, I mean, get on it. I mean, tell them to clean their room and you can stack up, you know, chuck a film on you do anyway, uh, get a couple of sweets and uh, you're ready to go. never been in more danger. Human greed is what drove us underground all those years ago. To escape from your rapacious appetite. for the truth behind what you seek. Uh, we've talked about Disney a lot, uh, it feels like, over the last couple of weeks, um, especially with Disney Plus uh, having come out um, two weeks ago. Um, our Disney Plus podcast is available to listen to if you haven't um, heard that yet. Um, so do go back and listen to that. Um, but Disney have uh, kind of announced now they're at that point where they're kind of, I think, predicting when this is going to end and making some decisions as to when they're going to release these films which have been postponed. Um, so the kind of big uh, announcement that they made was that a film called Artemis Fowl um, uh, is going to be released straight to Disney+. Plus. They're going to do a Trolls World Tour. They're not going to bother releasing it into the cinema. Um, they're going to release it straight onto Disney+. Plus. Now, this is essentially a book adaptation which was supposed to be released in August last year um, and they pushed it back um, and apparently Disney don't weren't really expecting it to do well at the box office anyway so they've kind of thought about um, putting it onto Disney Plus so um, what do you think about that Dan? Do you think that's, um, that, that's going to be the future? Um, do you think that's uh, just one of many films that Disney are going to stick onto this streaming? Well you know it speaks for itself doesn't it? Like you said it was supposed to come out last August they didn't have faith in the movie. So they just kept pushing it back and pushing it back. And now, obviously, the, the um, right opportunities come up now. And they've just gone, right, OK, this is literally a perfect chance now just to put it on streaming and we can forget all about it. And I do feel sorry for this film because I think it looks interesting. I haven't heard anything about it whatsoever. I didn't even know it existed until last week. Um, and obviously, you know, Disney hasn't got a lot of hope in it. 
uh, by doing this. But I think a lot of people are questioning it now. They're asking, especially with Trolls 2, like, you know, is this going to be an option now? Is this going to be something that studios are just going to do willingly as opposed to the cinema? And I'm still on that bench. I still believe if they have a choice in it, they will put it into cinemas, uh, like a lot of studios are doing. Let's not forget about Mulan, uh, which Disney are continuously pushing back because they know, compared to Ar Artemis Fowl, Mulan, not only is it going to make more money because it's a well-known property, you know, we've all kind of seen the animated Mulan movie, but also it's probably a better film. And I, I hate to judge this film because, uh, like I said, I don't know a lot about it. Um, but I think this idea that um, Disney have put it onto streaming as a complement to the film I, I, I don't buy it for a second I know that sounds quite blunt but I, I don't buy it I, I, I'm still on the bench that I think if they had a choice um, they would push it back and eventually and, um, release it in cinemas and also let's, you know, let's just forget about what's going on now let's look at last year, why was it released last summer why yes. did Disney hesitate I mean we see it time and time again not just with Disney but with other releases when studios keep pushing it back and pushing it back it is nine times out of 10, not a good sign. Yes, you have those odd um, cases where the film is actually really good. Maybe they just thought, oh, it's financially not going to ve do very well. But on the whole, really, I mean, we can't deny it. When a film is pushed back, there's a reason to it. Yeah, exactly. Um, well, speaking of Mulan, which you mentioned there, um, another announcement that was made during that press release was that it now has a release date of July 31st. I wanted to to ask you, Dan, do you think that's a bit optimistic for Disney? Um, do you think that potentially we'll be back in cinemas in July? Uh, in July, and if so, you know, it's a big movie. Are people really going to rush out in their droves to go see a film? You know, so close to this kind of um, coronavirus situation being over, even if it is over by then. What do you think? I I think it's too close to call now. Um, but um, yeah, I think end of July. I don't know. Very maybe I'm very optimistic, but I I think definitely by July. I mean, if cinemas are not open by July, we have got a big problem going on. Um, and I think I, I'm still a believer. We had uh, uh, we had Tara on last week, who was like completely said this will destroy cinema. I'm the complete opposite. I think when all this ends, when the isolation ends, we can go outside and cinemas are, are back open. I think you'll get the odd few that will be a bit precautious and um, maybe not want to sit next to loads of people straight away. Um, but I think on the whole, I think people are going to rush out to the cinema. I don't think they're really going to care what's at the cinema. I mean, you could play the room to them and, and they'd still probably never go watch it. Um, but I think, yeah, I think July the 30th, I, I don't think it's um, over-optimistic at all. I, I think it's fine. And let's not forget Christopher Nolan's Tenet. Uh, that was just announced that that's going to keep its original date. That's the middle of July. Um, so yeah. I don't know. I, 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 you know, I think cinema's going to be open end of May, June. I know that's optimistic. But I do think, I mean, if we look at the UK and not focus anywhere else, I think the, the UK by mid-May, end May, I mean, I don't see us being locked down then, hopefully. I am hoping, I am praying that we are back in cinemas because I think if we're not, I, I genuinely have fears for you, Dan. I think you will, <laughs> like, I think uh, you will literally be climbing the walls because I, I think, will. I think I, if I you go away till August to see be back in the cinema i don't think you're gonna um cope very well if, if if i have to wait till july i'll be like the girl in the grudge i'll be climbing on the walls i'll be i'll be in your bathtub <laughs> <laughs> I'll, I'll be in dirty water baths
let's um, start off with Four Kids and It, um, which is, as I said, a Jacqueline uh, Wilson um, uh, adaptation. Um, not familiar with her works. I believe she did Tracy Beaker. And oh, yes. I think she's responsible for those works. She's, she's a bit after my time, shall I say. Um, you know, <laughs> I can't really grow up reading her, her books. Um, but this is sort of a sequel to the classic novel um, and production of A Five Children uh, and It. Um, and I want to start off by saying I remember BBC did an adaptation of Five Children and It back in the day um, and that was a, such a terrific adaptation I've got fond memories of that because it was a type of adaptation which BBC did so well back in the day they did one about a phoenix as well I remember um, with kind of like practical kind of creature effects um, and just like perfect Sunday evening family viewing um, so I was a big fan of um, the kind of adaptation of Five Children and it. Obviously, they brought it up to date. Jacqueline Wilson has brought it up to date by calling it for kids and it. They're not children now. They oh. Um, so they're hip and they're cool um, and very annoying. Um, so the plot uh, <laughs> this time ar uh, around revolves around um, some of the worst parenting I've ever seen in cinema, um, where uh, two single parents, a father and a mother, um, they've both got two kids um, from their previous marriage. Um, they meet, they fall in love, um, and they decide, let's, you know, not take things slow. Let's not um, kind of hang around, okay? What we're going to do, we're not going to tell our children that we're in a relationship. Um, we're, we're not even going to kind of, you know, start things off gradually, kind of mention each other um, and, you know, maybe introduce uh, them uh, slowly and surely. No, we're going to basically rent out a cottage in Cornwall and we're just going to go on holiday and not tell them until they get there. Um, and that's not going to be emotionally traumatizing at all. <laughs> um, so these these two the, these two parents basically bring these four children uh, or four kids um, to this cottage um, and basically say this is going to be the new family kind of unit. Uh, the kids, as you can expect, don't get on at all. Um, they then one day stumble upon a secluded beach, uh, find a magical kind of sand elf voiced by Michael King, um, who basically says he can grant them a wish, uh, one wish per day, um, and uh, hijinks ensue, and we've got a clip here. We have something to tell you. We've been seeing each other. Oh, that is revolting. This holiday's a great opportunity for everyone to get to know each other. Hey, give that back, Samantha. Gives wishes. One wish a day, but there's consequences. Have you come across anything unusual? Oh. What was that? Magic is an old twinkly license, Stardust. I got great news for you, because this is the best wish you've ever heard. Wish me. Okay, so that was like a little clip there of uh, four kids and it, and it sounds 
quite lovely and i don't think you kind of get an idea in that clip of how annoying um this movie really truly <laughs> is. all the kind of magic from that bbc adaptation i uh, spoke to you about earlier on um is gone in in this film i'm sure the book is lovely and i can only assume that jacqueline wilson um who i know has got a massive fan base has made rich rounded characters in her book i'm sure they are um in the movie however they are paper thin they are really great in the uh, character of smash is so obnoxious and rude that i just found it hard to invest in any of the characters or the plot at all she is um quite mean quite aggressive um at first um she sort of becomes a bit better towards the end of the movie um but she's still quite annoying even then um and i just i just sat there thinking i i hate this child i can't I can't enjoy this movie with this child in it. Um, you know, she gets, uh, for example, you know, she gets to her turn to make a wish. And rather than kind of wish to see her father, who apparently she misses so much, um, she wishes to become famous. Um, and, uh, and then there's this whole sequence where she's like a pop star. And that's where kind of Cheryl Cole um, comes cool. in. <laughs> um, and of course, just... the height of pop star. <laughs> exactly. Exactly, exactly. Um, so I got admit, I did chuckle when I saw Cheryl Cole, and I was like, "Oh, Dan would love this." Uh, oh this yeah, moment. five star. Yeah, exactly. Um, and I've got to say, uh, the magic is just completely gone. Um, there's not enough time spent with uh, Michael Caine's uh, Sanduit, uh, the the Sand Elf. Um, he he gets a lot to do in the kind of final act where they take him to their home, and it's like a kind of ET sort of sequence um, where he's kind of stealing stuff in the house, and that's fun, that's cute, but it's not enough of it um, in the film. Instead, what you get is these this really annoying relationship between the two kind of older girls, um, a really hard characters to like um the parents are just dreadful they just let their kids run off do whatever the hell they like um so there's no investment in those either because they're such bad parents um and i've got to say i've never thought i'd say this before the only redeeming quality of it is russell brand um wow exactly who plays this um eccentric kind of country manor owner um, who has got his own kind of nefarious um, intentions for the Sanduit, the uh, the Sand Fairy. Um, so he is, he's having fun with it. He just is kind of playing himself as he usually does, um, but at least he's having fun with it and he adds that kind of cartoonish quality that the film is otherwise uh, missing. Um, so you know what? I think out of the two choices that we're going to talk about today, this is probably not when I would suggest for the whole family, only because I think children will find it hard um, to enjoy. Obviously, if they're a fan of the book, then sure, give it a try. But I don't think there's a lot in there which is very kind of exciting or magical or or anything really entertaining for younger kids, especially. Um, so I did not take to it at all very disappointed by it especially after the bbc adaptation um and i've got to say uh if i was uh if, if you're looking for something to watch over the weekend uh probably best to give this a miss
Right, we're going to move on now to a very special interview that we've got lined up for all of you. Um, his name is Sean Chandler. He runs a YouTube channel called Sean Chandler Talks About. Um, and I'm a massive fan of his channel. I know you've you've seen bits and pieces, Joe, but he does a lot of trailer reactions. He does he loves ranking video, uh, ranking movies. Big fan of the MCU uh, and um, Disney as well. Um, and we caught up with him. He chatted with us about his YouTube channel and the fact that he's got over 150,000 subscribers now and his opinion on what, what is the future of movie theatres. Uh, so let's have a listen. Uh, we're joined now by our special guest, Sean Chandler. Uh, you may know him from YouTube, uh, Sean Chandler Talks About. Uh, and thank you so much for joining us. Good morning, Sean. Good morning. Thanks for having me. It's my pleasure. It's my pleasure. Uh, thank you for coming on and joining with us. Uh, we're huge fans of the channel. Obviously, people who may not know you, who may not know the YouTube channel, uh, what can they expect to find? If they typed in Sean Chandler, um, you know, what sort of things do you include on your YouTube channel? Yeah, so basically what I tried to do is take the conversations that I was either having in real life or wanted to have in real life but couldn't have in real life and just brought it to YouTube. And so, you know, movie reviews, kind of thoughts. I've got a podcast with me and a buddy where we just talk about whatever the interesting stuff that happened in the world of movies that week, try and bring some people on and talk with the people we'd want to talk to. And then the thing that I'm kind of known for is kind of rankings where I, um, you know, take a movie franchise, rank them from the worst to the best, just in a friendly manner, not in a like, this is the right one. But the way you talk with friend, it kind of have a little bit debate back and forth, try and understand where the other person's coming from. That's kind of what my channel is all about, having friendly movie conversations. And, um, you know, I tend to be more into big franchises, so it's pretty mainstream stuff, a whole lot of comic book stuff, nerd culture. That's what I'm all about. Uh, people are very, very passionate um, about Marvel and Star Wars. Um, do you find that people are, are quite respectful of these videos and these rankings? Or do you get uh, <laughs> any kind of abuse or anything from trolls or I mean, you know, I, my channel's big enough now that I get, I get all of it. Uh, so, you know, I have some of the just friendliest, nicest people at times in my comment section that are just so supportive. And then, you know, of course, you have the people that are angry. Um, what's interesting is different fan bases have a different vibe. Marvel, they, they tend to be a little bit nicer, I think. I, I think I've had a better time with Marvel people. That's my biggest audience is the MCU. And, you know, certainly I've had some hot takes and like I'm not a big fan of Guardians of the Galaxy Volume 2 and some people have gotten pretty worked up about that. Uh, but mostly they're, they're pretty respectful of different opinions because I'm so excited about it. Uh, Star Wars fans, you can never please them. No matter what, no matter where you <laughs> fall, Star Wars fans, they're, it's just too divided of a fan base. So no matter how much you try and kind of uh, – I always try and res like respect where other people are coming from. So a lot of people really like Revenge of the Sith, and but I'm not – I don't hate it, but I'm kind of middle of the road on it. So I try and squeeze that in whenever I talk about it. Like I totally get where you guys are coming from. Here's why I don't like it. But some of them think it's the best, and they're like, how dare you not have it in the top three? And other people just hate the prequels, and they're like, how dare you not have it in the bottom three? <laughs> so it's like one of what or any of the you know the sequels likewise. Uh, Last Jedi. I mean, no matter where you put it on a list, people are just worked up. And so, um, you know, Star Wars fans, they're all over the place. You can't please them. 
And then DCEU fans of the current DC movies, they're the crazy ones. <laughs> um, <laughs> I, obviously, like, obviously, you know, there's totally normal people. And I, you know, I'm a big fan of the DCEU and DC characters. But I think there's the most crazy in that batch of people. And I don't know why that is. I don't know if it's just Zack Snyder just attracts a certain group of people. But they're, they're, I did a video that was my um, top 10 favorite comic book movies of all time. And in my top five was three DC movies, three different DC movies. And I had a bunch of people in the comment section being like, you're a DC hater. Why do you hate DC? I'm like, what are you talking about? My number one, my number three, and my number five are all DC movies. <laughs> and so for some reason, there's like this, I don't know, this of crazy vibe in the DCEU fans. And like I said, that's not everybody I love. I love Batman and Superman. They're my two favorite superheroes. But for whatever reason, there's just like a, a strain. And, you know, that you know, the Snyder cuts out there. It, it's interesting the way the different fan bases have a different vibe to them. And it's kind of fun. To, I, I, I'm fascinated by people. And so watching the patterns emerge and just seeing these responses like, what? Like, you guys, you're impossible to please. I, uh, there's three different DC movies in my top five. I think I think that's largely because you are at the point now where your channel is massively popular i think over 150,000 followers uh, yep. on your channel did As you ever last week yeah did you ever envision that you get to this stage you know it's 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 always kind of a weird question um because i think everybody that starts a podcast a youtube channel that's inspired by all the other movie you know any kind of niche genre podcast youtube channel you always look out there and you think oh i would love to do that i would love to be at that place so you know of course i started and the hope and dream was to be able to do this full time the hope and dream was to be able to get 10,000 100,000 a million followers that's always the dream and then you start and you realize oh this is a lot harder than i thought and so it's it's an interesting mix of all of it because on the one hand it was like absolutely like i i started with all the confidence in the world that i could make it a year in, I was like, all right, I've got a thousand subscribers. Uh, I don't think this is going anywhere. I might be, this might thing might be over. This might be done soon because I just need to, to focus my priorities elsewhere. So at the beginning, yeah, I totally thought I could do it. A year in, I was a, I was about to throw in the towel because I just needed a, a better job than what I had at the time. And it would have taken up too much time to be able to keep doing YouTube. And I'd always thought, you know, 10,000, that would be actually a real life story. Um, Back Eight years ago, seven years, five years, I don't remember how many years ago it was, but uh, I worked with teenagers, and one of my former students from, from literally 15 years ago, uh, I discovered that she had a YouTube channel that had 8,000 subscribers, and I remember actively thinking, that's crazy. Like, how does she have that many? She's like 22, 23, something like that, and had 8,000 subscribers, and that would just kind of blew my mind that someone could have a following that big that I knew. And so that was always kind of a number in my head that was was a big deal. And about a year and a half into my channel, I hit that number. And I was like, wow, I feel exactly the same as I did back when I had a thousand subscribers. So um, <laughs> I guess it's not um, some magic number after all. And then I guess it was like fall of, uh, I believe, 2018. I actually passed her. I think it was like, I was like, you know, this is my own ego revealing the workings of my mind. I tracked where her channel was at. So I passed her somewhere around 80,000 subscribers, uh, which is that I, you know, as soon as I started getting some growth, so she had like 80,000 subscribers, like, wow, it would be incredible if I was there. And then I passed her and I was like, okay, yeah, I don't feel all that different than I did right before this. Um, but, you know, it, it's an odd thing because 
it really is a weird mix of, oh, yeah, I mean, I had all the dreams in the world and thought I could do it. And then it was, no, I couldn't. And then it was like, once I got there, it was like, okay, it's cool. I could do this full time. But what else? What else? You know, that human desire for progress, for more, that way we always compare ourselves. And even though I've surpassed my dreams, I'm living the dream right now. It's like, okay, what's next? Okay, can I get this? <laughs> can I do this? It's like, you know, you have all the emotions. And from all the people I've talked to that uh, are kind of in my position of having recently gone full-time, all of us kind of have a little bit of imposter syndrome. Like we're waiting for people to find out that I'm just a normal guy after all. <laughs> and and it, it's interesting. Yeah, definitely. Um, I, I agree. I think, you know, every YouTuber listening will have had that journey of, oh, can I, can I make it? Can I not make it? it you know, it's a really, really up and down. Um, do you find um, juggling YouTube with other parts of your life, do you find that easier than before? Or has it got a lot harder? Uh, well, as of the last three weeks, it's gotten very difficult <laughs> because uh, my kids are home and we're having to homeschool because of, you know, everything going on in the world. So literally this morning, I'm, I'm trying to like prep for the video. I'm going to shoot this afterwards, preparing to do this, wanted to work out all while homeschooling, sitting there trying to figure out how to do this homeschooling stuff. The last three weeks has been pretty tricky. Um, but prior to having to be a homeschooler, the tricky part for me was re really just um, learning how to manage myself. Uh, by my nature, I'm kind of a, a workhorse. I, I'm a, just a creator by nature. And so I've never really struggled to get in the grind of just creating. That's the way I'm wired and I'm brainstorming. What else can I do? And so um, even when I had a full-time job delivering paint, uh, I, I wouldn't use my brain at work because it was literally pick up these buckets, load them in the truck, drive somewhere, unload the buckets. So I would get off work and my brain would want to be worked out. And so that that was, you know, I needed to create something after a day of just lifting stuff without using my brain. And then now that I'm full time, it was it took a, a month or two to figure out how to manage my time and how to, I like I have to write a schedule for myself. I have to have a clear plan for what I'm going to do with my time. But in general, um, you know, I feel like I'm kind of living the dream. This is my hobby. This is what I was doing just when it was fun, when I made no money doing it. And now I get to do that for a living. That's what I get paid to do. So I can't say that I have any sort of struggle with how to balance it all because it just feels like I'm doing what I would be doing. Otherwise I just do it all the time. And there's some quirks that come with that. There's some oddities, especially cause I'm the ranking guy. I'm all, always have to like plan ahead for what I'm watching so that I can rank these franchises. And so these weird things happen to where like, I'll make a list of 70 movies I need to watch over the next three or four months. And whenever it's time for the family to sit and watch something, I'll walk up to them and be like, here, wife, which one of these movies do you want to watch today? That's a pretty <laughs> weird thing to do. Like, here, kids, here's a list of movies. Which one do you want to watch? And then my daughter goes, I can't read. You know that. So, son, you can read. Which one of these do you want to watch? She goes, Cars. And then the daughter gets mad because she doesn't want to watch Cars. But so there's some quirks to it. But, you know, thus far, I just kind of feel like I'm I'm still riding on top of that wave of like, wow, I get to do this. This is cool. And there was so many of us that started and I was one of, you know, a handful that was lucky enough that it, it clicked and it worked. You said yourself there, Sean, that obviously things have been a bit maybe intense over the last couple of weeks. Uh, big changes 
um, you know, around the world at the moment. Um, obviously, as a result of that, movie theatres have uh, started to close, uh, are, are fully closed now. Obviously, uh, that's all up in the air as to what's going to happen with that. And films have been postponed, uh, some to next year, some indefinitely. Um, how do you think this whole kind of coronavirus uh, situation is going to affect uh, cinema in the future, um, especially with streaming services now like Netflix and Disney Plus. And do you think that will have an effect on um, the kind of videos and things that you make as well? Yeah, I mean, it is so tough to know where the world is going to land on the other side of this because of, for all the obvious reasons, the one that's right there present in our face is just the financial aspect of it. And, you know, AMC might be in big trouble. And what if AMC theaters closed down? And like that, immediately, like that's the first one that comes to mind of like, are theaters going to be in trouble? Will a bunch of them have to shut down because of this? Uh, and then another aspect to it is just as soon as we get on the other side and where theaters reopen, people can go back out. Uh, will that line up with when their new release schedule is? Probably not quite. So that'll once again feed into the financial troubles. And then the other side to it is that will there be continued regulations on what the government wants us to do in regards to? staying away from each other. Are they going to tell movie theaters that you can only allow so many people in? There was a little bit of that right before they actually shut them all down where they were like, you can only have half occupancy. You can only do this. And so even when they open, there'll probably be some government mandated stuff about what we are and aren't supposed to do. That will continue to have financial ramifications beyond that. As people, if we're, we've spent a month, two months being afraid of sitting next to strangers, how many of us are going to want to then go out into public and sit next to a stranger in a movie theater. Okay, that adds one more layer on top of it of a trickle down that could be really bad. On the flip side, you go, I, this is the longest in, I have no idea how long that I've gone without going to a movie in the theaters. So how many people, as soon as we're able to go out, are just going to be like, I want to go see whatever's coming out. It's Trolls 2. If that's the only one that's playing, I'm going to go see Trolls 2. Like, is that is that what's going to happen that everyone just rushes out no matter what it is? Maybe. I don't know. So there, there's a whole bunch of things just on the immediate practical side to it, even before the streaming conversation comes into it. Then you start talking about streaming. And I think right now, studios inherently are risk averse. They're scared of the unexpected. And so they're always been very slow to try new things, experiment, in which case they don't even have a lot of very good data on streaming. And User activity, what are people willing to pay? And suddenly you have a situation where everyone's locked at home, theaters are closed. They have to run all those experiments. And you can see it with what every the different studios did. Universal went, okay, all of our movies for April and March and May, we're just going to drop them on streaming. You can rent them for $20. Disney went, we're just going to make it so you can buy it today and we're going to drop onward on Disney+. Plus a month after its release. And they're going to get insane amounts of information from this that they never would have gotten otherwise. They never would have been willing to take these gambles and tests to discover price points. What are people willing to play, pay? Other people, uh, Sony, instead of saying you can rent it for $20, they just went bloodshot, the new Vin Diesel movie, a week after it was released, or two weeks after it was released in theaters, you can just buy it digital. And that's two different models from two different studios or three different models from three different studios as to things that they tried all in this one month. And they're going to gather so much information from that that suddenly 
that's absolutely going to have some ramifications for how the industry changes. And all of that goes back to hurting movie theaters. As soon as studios know how much money they can make, what the price point is to do all this streaming sooner, throw it to digital sooner, anything that makes it so people can watch it at home, that's not good for theaters. So, and theaters have also, because they're going to hurt so bad from all of this, they also lose a certain amount of their uh, leverage in the conversation. They're vulnerable. They just need to do whatever to stay afloat, in which case Disney cuts a bad deal with them. Disney's known for being cutthroat. Who knows what's about to happen, but it, it is interesting. Obviously, 2020 has been a really, really strange year so far. Uh, and in a month or two, um, we're going to be at the halfway point of 2020. I know a lot of YouTubers, a lot of film reviewers like to look back over the last six months and pick their, their favorite and their least favorite films. But so what for you, what have been some of your highlights for this year? What have been some of the films that you've really loved so far? So right off the bat, Invisible Man. Uh, Lee Winnell, his previous movie was Upgrade, and I just thought it was this wonderfully well-crafted, it's not a big movie, but just well-crafted little sci-fi horror action movie, just a really good script and directed with a nice spice to it, and without needing to do anything big and flashy, very exciting, has a distinct visual style for the action, so I was very excited for what he was doing Invisible Man, and it did not disappoint. Uh, he just does such a great job with his scripts, and then as a director... Uh, does so much with his budgets and and takes the concept of, all right, we, we did Invisible Man. How can we really tie that to a real-world fear, not just jump scares and stuff, but actual fear, fears that people have? So that one was was great. The Way Back uh, with Ben Affleck from Gavin O'Connor. Gavin O'Connor, uh, about 10 years ago, did a movie called Warrior. It's one of my favorite movies of all time. It's a sports MMA fight with a uh, movie with uh, Tom Tom Hardy, Nick Nolte. So I was very excited once again about him doing the way back as this kind of also drama sports film with Ben Affleck. And if you watch it as a sports movie, you you could be like, this is very cliche. This is every sports movie. But the sports is really on the back burner. And on the front burner is the character drama. That's what the real focus is, is on this character. I mean, if you watch it as that, it's, it's very powerful. And then the other big surprise, it was shocking to me that it was so good. Or two, they were pretty shocking to me how good they were. One was Bad Boys for Life. It, the last one was, was 17, 18 years ago. Long, it's been in development hell for a decade. They kept saying it was coming. And I was like, this is, this is such a bad idea. They shouldn't do this. And then it, it's the best one out of all of them. I mean, it's got the most heart. The dialogue is just as snappy and funny as ever. And it's not as doesn't have all the spectacle of Bad Boys 2, which was like Michael Bay in his prime doing an action movie. But it's still just as exciting. And then I thought Birds of Prey was going to be really bad, and I really enjoyed that one too. Uh, so those are the ones that I just kind of surprised me or that I thought were really good. Um, yeah, big fan of uh, Bad Boys for Life, actually. That, that did come from nowhere. And I remember seeing that in a packed theater and everybody just taking to it. And it, and it was a huge surprise and so good uh, to see it uh, doing so well. Yeah, um, I got so out of the theater. I went to go see it and I was like, because uh, I'm an action movie guy. Anything that's throwback action uh, for adults, especially. Uh, I, I'm a sucker for it. So I left the theater, like walked out and I was there with, I brought a friend with me and a couple of my buddies had, had, had gotten in. And so I'm wor worried like, Okay, I know I really liked that, but did everyone else think it sucked? Did everyone just like I? I wasn't sure. Like, and then I'm like, <laughs> what you guys thinking? They're like, oh yeah, it was a lot of fun. I was way better than that. I was like, okay, whoo. 
I was nervous that I was just like, did I just get excited because it was an R-rated action movie in January that wasn't bad? I'm not quite sure. Was my bar just set so low? <laughs> and then everybody seemed to really enjoy it. It's like, okay, that's okay. I'm not crazy. When um, when they brought Reggie back um, and, it ha- and it cracked a massive laugh in the audience, that's when I knew yep. uh, the film uh, was working. Um, but Sean, uh, before... Um, uh, before we go, we just want to uh, ask, uh, what what does the future entail for, for the channel? What can uh, we expect to see uh, from you? You said you've got a schedule, you've got plans. Uh, what can we expect to see for you, from you in the coming months? Yeah, so I had to make a new schedule. I, I plan out my whole year at the January, like first two weeks of January, I map out my whole year and it's entirely flexible and you know, things move around. But like I legitimately look at every movie release date and try and come up with the rankings that I need to do in editorials. And I try to be real smart about it so I can plan ahead and work in advance. And then, you know, all the movie release dates were canceled. So I had to like I literally had to take two months worth of work, planning things out, tear it up, throw it out and come up with a new plan over the last couple of weeks. But uh, which has actually been kind of nice and refreshing for me to I mentioned before these list of 70 movies I have to watch in preparation for ranking rankings. I don't have to do that anymore. So it's like, oh, I could just watch movies normal now. So basically what I've been trying to do is come up with just some fun, different stuff. And so some of the stuff I like to do is like propose how to how to fix broken movies, movies that we all are like, that was a disappointment how do you fix that? So like next week I'm going to do probably Iron Man 2, a movie that had the right director, the perfect cast, and just doesn't really work inside of a franchise that I love. So how do you fix it? And then other ones of like pitching movies that I would love to see. A lot of fun stuff like that. And um, kind of editorials on canceled movies. Just different stuff. Exciting stuff. Exciting times ahead. Um, yeah, thank you so much again for the interview, uh, Sean. It's been a pleasure chatting to mm-hmm. you. Uh, let, you know, can't wait to see what the channel uh, goes on to do. And looking forward to the day when all of this is over and we can all go back oh, yeah. to the movie theaters. <laughs> Absolutely, yeah, it's very true. Or just leave my house and go to McDonald's and eat a burger around. Other- oh yes, <laughs> the simple things that you never knew you would miss. Um, thank you again, Sean, for the interview. It's been again a pleasure chatting to you. So thank you very much for coming on the show. No problem. Thanks for having me. No. Who are you guys? We are the K-pop gang. And you're going to take us to Queen Poppy. (laughs) What? Not so fast, Tracy. We're taking him. It's pronounced Tresillo. If you want him, you're going to have to dance for him. I can't live in a world without reggaeton. And we can't live in a world without K-pop. Dance off! Strolls to uh, World Tour, um, which is um, available uh, to rent um, on Amazon, Rakuten, uh, iTunes, YouTube, um, any kind of streaming service, really. Um, it's available for rent uh, currently, I think, at fifteen ninety nine. Um, so quite pricey, but obviously um, if, you're, uh, if you're a family of four, that's probably the usual you'd kind of expect to pay um, at the cinema. So I'd never seen the first Trolls movie. Um, so I, I had a brief uh, plot kind of summary uh, from from a better half before uh, 
before um, I watched this, um, just just in case I was missing out on valuable information. I wasn't. Um, <laughs> so uh, this is Trolls World Tour. It's um, set in that same kind of magical troll universe as the first film. Very colourful, very vibrant. Um, Princess Poppy from the first film is now Queen Poppy, uh, voiced by Anna Kendrick. She is loving life in her kind of pop kingdom, um, singing, dancing, and everybody is at peace. Um, you know, she kind of hangs out with um, her best friend, her BFF, uh, Branch, played by Justin Timberlake, um, who's a bit more cheerful than the first film, um, by all accounts. Um, their peaceful kind of nature is um, put at risk, though, um, when um, a band of hard rock trolls make an appearance and are determined to go from kingdom to kingdom, uh, basically steal uh, the kingdom's guitar string. Um, and once she's collected each of the strings from the different kingdoms, so there's like a country music kingdom, there's um, a funk uh, kingdom. Uh, when she collects all the different strings, um, she can uh, put them on a guitar, play a power, power chord, um, and she will enslave um, the uh, entire kind of troll race um, to be hard rockers. Um, it does touch on the kind of subgenres as well. Um, basically, um, the hard rockers send out uh, um, a, a group of assassins to capture Poppy and Branch, um, and they're like from K pop. Uh, kingdom and reggaeton kingdom and they've even got some yodelers um, in it as well. well. I, I tell you, I love a good yodeler. Yeah, I know you love a good yodel, uh, that's for sure. I thought it was decent. As I said, I went into it not knowing anything about the world. My better half absolutely loved the first film, um, so she was very, very excited um, for it, and she did absolutely come out of it loving it. She she thought it was really great. Um, maybe it was the fact that I had no kind of um, attachment to it, the fact that I hadn't seen the first film, that I thought differently and thought, it's okay. I think if you're a fan of the first film, you're probably going to love this. It's more of the same. A lot of kind of modern takes on pop songs and rock songs um, and, you know, kind of very popular songs that, that everybody will know and kind of want to sing along to. You've got Anna Kendrick, Justin Timberlake, very capable performance uh, performers and very capable singers. Um, so they do a great job of um, singing, even though there is a little bit of auto tune in there. Um, I thought the musical numbers were great. It is very colourful. It is very vibrant. And that's sort of what people need right now, I guess, um, with everything that's going on in the world. So re really, I can totally understand why Universal um, and DreamWorks have decided um, to release it uh, straight to streaming um, with everything that's going on. Because I do think that a lot of people uh, will be looking for something like this uh, to keep them entertained and to brighten up their days um, during kind of lockdown. Um, so very clever on their part. Um, it kept me entertained. Obviously, James Corden's in it. So that... Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. What I can you do? Why, I don't know why James Corden... No, I tell you what, he's a, he's, a, he's a cheeky bugger, that James Corden, didn't he? He always pops up, doesn't he? He's, he's he honestly... He's, 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 it's just like, oh, I tell you what, it's just like going to McDonald's and they're out of the ice cream, McFlurry. He's just like, oh, for goodness sake. It's like, <laughs> how could things get worse? And then James Corden will pop up and be like, oh, hello, how are you? I'm James Corden. It's like, oh, gosh. He just he, Every animation, it seems to just, they seem to slip him in, don't they? Slip him in really, yeah. really secretly. 
I don't know what his agent as how his agent has managed to do it, but um, she, you know, he seems to be contracted to be in every single animation movie ever made at the minute. Um, but yeah, so he's in it. Don't not a fan of his, so that kind of irritated me a little bit. But there are cute characters in there. There are layers upon layers of details um, and, uh, you know, characters from all over the place. You know, the sun is a character, clouds are characters. So I love the kind of level of detail in the animation. It is colourful. It is bright. Um, it's sort of what people need right now. So I would recommend it um, for families um, at the moment um, who might be looking to kind of keep their uh, younger children um, entertained for an hour and a half it flies by um, I think young kids will especially love it um, and it did the job nothing special for me um, but if they were to make another one I would happily uh, sit through it and it did uh, brighten up my day um, for uh, an hour and a half and at the moment I'll take that where I can so that's um, Trolls World Tour it's available on um, all kind of streaming platforms it is a bit pricey um, but uh, well with the money if you're obviously a large family looking to have a movie night on, on a Saturday night um, and switch off for an hour and a half. Um, and that is all we've got time for on today's show. It's gone so quick. It has gone very, very quick. Um, short and sweet. That's how we're keeping it at the moment, isn't it, Dan? Yeah, I can think of something else that's short and sweet as well, but we're not going to get into that. <laughs> This is a family friendly <laughs> Hey, Joe, come on now. I was on about our, our small cappuccinos we drink. <laughs> you put that but in my head now, you naughty uh, boy. Yeah, anyway, yeah. Um, so families, uh, we hope we've offered uh, some alternatives for a viewing this week. If you're looking for a film or two to watch, definitely check those out. And don't forget, you can follow us on social media. We're the Dan Joe Film Show on Facebook. Uh, we're DJ Film Show on Twitter. Uh, and on Instagram as well. And you can listen to all of our old episodes um, on Mixcloud, Spotify, and also we've got individual reviews and interviews on our YouTube channel. That's the Dan and Joe Film Show. And we'll see you all next time. Uh, we've got a bit of a treat. We're not going to spoil it, um, but it's very fi uh, fitting with what's going on at the minute. So uh, make sure to tune in for our, for our next episode. Um, but thanks again and goodbye. Bye-bye. <laughs>